I'm glad technology is catching up with Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I'm having a good day so far, which is just as well for you. Um, and it's uh, great to be... I was looking forward to coming today because a um, number of reasons. Um, main one was because isn't it going to be great to be in an environment where I can start talking about or sharing about the steps, my experience of steps, and not see a lot of people all of a sudden start looking at their watches and wriggling their seats and... Uh, Normally, at meetings, some of the meetings I go to, and when I go into my recovery, three people walk out. You know, <laughs> so it's great to be here. It, I think it needs to be up close, don't you? Yeah, it's fine. Um, so it's it's great to have this opportunity. And um, David just told me I've got 20 minutes, which is nice. I didn't realise I had that long. So I'll just share on step one. I came to AA 30 years ago, which is a long time ago, and and. Uh, 30 years is a long time to involve, be involved in anything. You know, it's in the Masons or something, they'd probably make me the Grand Pooh Bar or something by now, you know. But uh, in AA, you're sober and um, I'm happily sober and that's all you get. And that's all I came to AA to get really, to be happily sober. And uh, I love being sober. And the reason I stay sober is because I like it. That's why I stay sober. And after all this time, I, I did have a relapse in 1980, which I'll briefly touch on, but I've been sober coming up for 25 years, and uh, as I say, it's a bloody long time to be miserable, isn't it? <laughs> you know, so I really, really like being sober. And the reason I like being sober is because I'm someone who's had a very positive experience of the recovery program. A um, little bit, very briefly, about my drinking, uh, just to explain why I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. I picked up my first drink, and I remember my first drink like a lot of people. In AA, I got drunk with a group of guys from school, about five or six of us. I said, this is great, let's get more. I was the only one who said that. I was the only one that wanted more. Had a bottle of Abbott's Lager, which was shocking stuff. But it wasn't enough. Had to have more. And uh, second time I drank, I started to black out. So I was in trouble with my drinking right from the start. But I solved that problem. I, I, uh, I did what we call in AA a geographical cure. I joined the Navy. And uh, this is my ambition, and this is true, okay? I, I, I kid you not, I sat in the office I was working in, being a little skinny guy, worked in an office, getting drunk at lunch times, and I thought, if I joined the Navy, I really had this image, I'd become this big, tough, tattooed sailor, you know, sail the seven seas, drink rum, fight like a thrashing machine and have a girl in every port. <laughs> I really thought that was going to happen, you know? And uh, so I did join the Navy, and, uh, and I got tattooed, and that's about as far as I got. <laughs> And I got drunk. I can summarise my drinking story very quickly. I had drunks telling me I shouldn't drink. You know? I was about to be kicked out of the Navy for my drinking. This is in the days when um, having a drinking problem was probably one of the criteria for promotion. You know? Most people in the Navy were drinking and there was very, very heavy drinking. And I'm sure it's changed now. It's a long time ago. Um, so my drinking was obvious in the Navy, in this environment, and I had a lot of people tell me I shouldn't drink. I was a young guy showing potential with my life, and they were all saying, why are you throwing it away on alcohol? And I can remember once looking at this chief petty officer who asked me that question, he cared about me, he knew I had potential, he knew I was doing well in various things, and he wanted to see me do well, and I looked him straight back in the eyes and I said, I don't know. I don't know why I'm throwing it all away. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, because when I was underage with my uniform, I used to go into the pubs, and if they found out I was underage, they used to throw me out. And I used to say, look, if I'm old enough to uh, wear the Queen's uniform and fight for a country, I'm the country I'm old enough to drink. 
because I joined the Navy band, so I was fighting for my country blowing a trumpet, you know. <laughs> um, so I um, played wrong notes at the enemy or something, I don't know. So I was in all sorts of strife and trouble, and a lot of people telling me I shouldn't drink. And uh, I got hospitalised at 18 the first time, and uh, by the age of 19 I knew I shouldn't drink. I knew it was the first drink before I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. A lot of the things that have a lot of impact on people when they come to AA, I sort of had already gone through some of those stages. Um, I knew it was the first drink because I tried so many things to become a social drinker, like it says in the big book. All the strategies I tried to become a social drinker, and they all failed. So I started managing my drinking, my drinking problem, and how I managed it was I put off having the first drink. Because once I had the first drink, I knew that was it, I was gone. So I used to wait till work was finished, wait till the job was done, wait till I'd finish things, whatever it was, or we had some event on, I'd wait till it was finished. Other guys would be drinking, I wouldn't, I would wait. Then I'd start drinking and I was off. And towards the end of my drinking, I knew that a drink, a drink meant not knowing where I'd wake up, not knowing if I'd have any money, not being able to remember the night before. All that went with a drink. And I knew that before I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. I went to someone for help, I was on a ship, and I knocked on this guy's door and I told him what was happening to me. He was a chaplain in the Navy. I told him exactly what was happening to me. I wasn't experiencing denial. I don't identify with that denial. I've seen it in other people. I've had denial in other aspects of my life in recovery. But as far as my drinking, I knew I had a drinking problem. So I knocked on this guy's door and I told him what was happening to me. And he told me that he knew what the problem was. And he said, David, he said, all the things you've told me that you're experiencing, he said, they are the symptoms of an illness. And I remember thinking, this is the sound of a different drummer, you know, this is a bit different. He said, look, you can't stop drinking once you start. You can't remember where you've been when you drink. You don't want to drink, but you'll be you know, drunk tonight. You know, all those are, are symptoms of an illness. He said, the name of the illness is alcoholism. He said, you're an alcoholic. And I remember thinking, strength, you know, I mean, I came in, I didn't mind being a problem drinker, but the alcoholic was a bit final and a bit heavy. And I was 19. And he said, if you continue to drink, you'll end up dead, insane, or in jail. He says, it will get worse. This was a classic AA Big Book 12-step job by a non-alcoholic. He convinced me of the hopelessness of my situation. Because two things happened that day, two miracles happened. One, that I met him. Two, that I believed him. He said to me that I had an allergy to alcohol, which meant that I was, my drinking was different from social drinkers, and that made perfect sense because I'll never forget the night I was drinking with a bloke. He had one or two beers, and he said, I'll see you later. I said, where are you going? He said, I've got a date. I remember thinking, what do you mean you've got a date? We're drinking. How could you have two beers and go and do anything? You know? I knew my drinking was different. So he brought me to Alcoholics Anonymous in 1975, and um, I was one of the youngest people around at the time. There were a couple of young people here and there, but, it, but the demographic, if I can use that word, if you understand that word, the demographics of AA was a bit different. Uh, most people were 10, if not 20 years older than me. And I came to AA, fortunately, to stop drinking. I came to stop drinking. Because I came to stop drinking, I didn't come for an argument. I wasn't in denial. I didn't want to hear you and find what was wrong with it and pick it apart. I actually came to stop drinking, and I said, what do I have to do? And uh, I heard the speakers at my first meeting, and I identified. And I was so grateful. You know, I look back on that, and I'm just... They were talking about the blackouts. They were talking about, you know, blacks. I was going for a few and I couldn't come out. That was me. So I, I just identified and I thought, this is, you know, I'm in the right place. And I wanted to stop drinking. I really wanted to stop drinking at this point in my life. And so I thought this would be easy. Because they took my story another 10, 20 years onwards, 
you know, um, I felt, well, okay, I'm allergic to alcohol, if I don't drink, I'll be fine. So I put the booze down, I thought, I'll go to meetings and I'll kick on. I lasted three months, I picked up a drink. For me, there was a huge difference between just accepting that I was allergic to alcohol and taking the first step of the program. I'm someone who believes that the first step means exactly what it says. Powerless. Complete lack of power. Because I, was, I wasn't physically addicted to alcohol, I saw my problem. I saw my problem so clearly. I wanted to stay sober, made a decision not to drink and still picked up a drink. And I'll never forget, I looked at, I was shaving that morning, I looked in the mirror, my eyes were bloodshot, I was crook again. I'd had a big dramatic uh, experience with the band because I thought I need to get myself kicked out of the Navy because the Navy's a problem. So we used to play every morning at 8 o'clock in the morning, great place for a hangover, 8 o'clock in the morning in the middle of a band. And uh, that morning the band marched on and played Advanced Australia Fair and I marched on and played Chattanooga Choo Choo, I think, or something like that. <laughs> Wanted to be kicked out of the Navy, didn't work, got charged with being unfit to fulfil my duty and got an insight into my problem. I'm someone before Alcoholics Anonymous who could not make a decision to put the booze down and leave it down. If I could have done that, I wouldn't have been here. I'm not someone in those days, in the 70s, a lot of people used to say, I drank too much too often for too long. I didn't fit that, that wasn't me. I was someone who just picked up a drink and was in huge trouble. So I, made it, I, I realised I had to make a decision not to drink and the first step uh, came into my life because I knew I was powerless. And I, you know, the, the first step is a very... Uh, there's two, a couple of times I've had to take it in my life. The first time I took it, I was 18, I was in a jail cell. I woke up and I'd been locked up and I knew that I was powerless over alcohol my life was unmanageable. But I wasn't in AA. So it's a frightening place to be in. I knew that my life was in big trouble, but I was not in AA. The second time I took it, I was in AA. And because I was in Alcoholics Anonymous, although it's a devastating place to be in one's life, where you're powerless and your life's unmanageable, because I was in AA, there was hope. There was people who were you know, sharing that they'd stayed sober. And I started to read the big book, which was the best kept secret in Alcoholics Anonymous in 1975. And um, I couldn't believe it. They said, just don't drink and go to meetings. And the book said nothing about that. It said, take action. And as a young guy who, who was raring to go, this was really good for me. So I decided to take these steps off the wall and put them into my life. There was a guy in Sydney in those days who said, you don't do these steps, you live them. And I got it. It's about changing my thinking. And my thinking would change for these steps. So the first step was the entrance. I had to become teachable. I was devastated by my drinking, thank God. And I got sober, and as I said, in 1980 I relapsed after making a great start, and I had to start again. Uh, the reason I relapsed was, um, it says in the big book, our sobriety comes out of maintaining a fit spiritual condition. I was so fit, I'd sat in meetings and took everyone's inventory and had opinions about all of your lives, and you know, probably felt I could meditate to the ceiling, but drank. That's weird, isn't it? So spirit, I was, obviously wasn't very spiritual, and I started again. When I drank again, I knew I was sick. And I went to a meeting in Sydney when I first got sober again and an old bloke there said, so you had another suck of the sauce bottle, eh? Well, why don't you just say, you know, cut the crap and say you had it and you drank as you wanted to. And I was a nice old bloke, Harry, and I grabbed him by the tie, not aggressively. Just <laughs> I, I said, listen, Harry, I said, if a guy's been sober nearly five years and he drinks again, do you think he's well? There seemed to be this thing in AA, this thing of, you know, if you drink, you know, you drink as you want to. And I said, yes, that's the problem. We, drink, we want to drink despite the consequences. That was the first step. When I got that, I realised that I could drink myself to death 
against my own will. That's alcoholism, that's addiction. We don't use the word addiction, that's obsession. And once I reached that point, once I got to that point of accepting that, as I said, first time in 75, and it was a bit different in 1980, but the first time, that's when I got sober. When I reached a point that I knew that I didn't know how to stop drinking or maintain, make a decision to stop drinking and maintain it, once I reached that point, that's when I got sober. Because I was powerless. Absolutely powerless. And I'm not today. Because I've worked through the steps, and the 11 steps says to ask for power. And that's tomorrow's story. With them. I look forward to hearing the speakers on that. The 11 steps is I ask for power. And I do have power in my life today. I choose not to drink because I can. Got two minutes left. Great. Today, I believe I've been restored to sanity. Many years ago, in the 1970s, I met a psychiatrist. I met him socially, which I hasten to add. And uh, he's, he worked with alcoholics. And he worked with brain-damaged alcoholics. And I was about 22 when I met him. And he said to me, he said, David, you know, all you've got to do is convince alcoholics that they shouldn't drink. And I remember thinking, that's a bit simplistic. You know, I, mean, I was 22. But when I look back over the last nearly 25 years, I haven't picked up a drink. You know why? Because I've remained convinced that I'm someone who shouldn't drink. I've been restored to sanity. Which is a good cue for the next speaker, because the next speaker will share on step two. I've been restored to sanity, so... And I like it. As I said when I opened up, I like being sober. And uh, if you're still enduring your sobriety, then I'm glad you're here. Because Alcoholics Anonymous is not about enduring sobriety, it's about enjoying sobriety and enjoying life. And the theme of our 12th step is the joy of living. It says that in the uh, 12 and 12, and I love that. So, uh, it's great to be here. No one looked at their watch, that was great. I've, I've done the right time, no one's walked out. It's great to be in an environment where we can share openly about our experience with the steps and I'm really looking forward to hearing other speakers and uh, having a good weekend. Thank you. Thank you.